Hello and welcome to the podcast where we shine a light on the complexities and challenges surrounding the importance of human behaviour on cybersecurity and compliance. That's right, we're talking about people being at the centre of information security and data protection and the challenges of engaging users to create change in their behaviour. This is Beyond the Firewall. I'm Luke Noonan, and I would like to welcome you to our discussion today on a new book that has been launched by security thought leader and meta-compliance CEO, Robbie O'Brien. The book is entitled Cybersecurity Awareness for Dummies. Welcome, Robbie. How are you? I'm great, Luke. Glad to be here. And thank you for joining us. So if we get started, recently the World Economic Forum's Global Risk Report has stated that cyber attacks have become a common hazard individuals, and businesses. Their surveys rank them as the seventh most likely and eighth most impactful risk, and the second most concerning risk of doing business globally over the next 10 years. The risk we are going to be discussing today is the human risk to information security that exists within most organizations, and what can be done about it? Robbie, one of the questions I have is, what exactly is a cyber security awareness campaign? So I think a cybersecurity awareness campaign is where we are in organizations that are trying to mitigate the risk of cyber attack by increasing the vigilance of their employees. And it's a collection of awareness activities that we're all familiar with, like policies, working from home policies, simulated phishing, e-learning, but a campaign brings them together and makes sense out of what you're trying to achieve. And really that sense is related to the risks that the organization is focused on. And risks change over time. So for example, this year, the majority of organization is dealing with a brand new set of risks caused by having large populations of their users working from home. A cyber security awareness campaign is also something that's planned over at least six months, but ideally over a 12 month stretch. And each month you might address a different risk, but it is getting that campaign organized and understood by the rest of the organization that really gives it its power. That makes sense. And a follow-up question I had is, is what made you write the book? Good question. I find we, I have been working in this industry for 12 years and really I couldn't find a playbook that give organizations a, here's how you do it, here's how you change employee culture. There is a lot of talk about the technology surrounding cybersecurity awareness. There's actually a lot of technology around perimeter security, but how you deal with human beings, how you deal with senior management, there isn't a step-by-step guide. And I felt that was something that a lot of people were asking for. I also think that a playbook acts as an internal resource for executives and managers who just don't have the time. And this particular format that Wiley has is familiar to everyone. And is a non-threatening ideal medium for 
communicating something that people need to know, and particularly information security that can be a bit dry. It brings together different pieces of staff awareness in a way that sections each of them and how they relate to the overall improvement and vigilance. And it's an easy-to-use format. It was written so that it could be used as a, a playbook within an organization, that a, a campaign could be built around this book. The book could be used as a, an internal guide and something that, that would actually act as a reference as you move forward on your campaign and want to know where you are on the map, so to speak. And I suppose it's fair to say that you were actually also involved in writing the GDPR for Dummies Guide. That's right. Um, I, I acted as editor with Shane Fuller. And really, that was the same situation. We were coming up on GDPR, and there wasn't a playbook for how you would address privacy within an organization. And that was a tremendous success. And many uh, organizations used that book as their internal go-to reference for people who didn't really understand what privacy was about. And this provided a format that was easily consumed by their users. Yeah, and I think it's, it's great how accessible the Wiley's format is. I suppose our listeners to this webinar today, how would they actually use this book? I think that there's two mediums. One is the electronic PDF and the other is the physical format. Physical format is fantastic for those executives that just, you know, you'll, you'll send them the PDF and an email and they'll never read it. But sometimes people like the tactile validation of a, of a book that they can skim through, read the executive summary. And all attendees at, at this broadcast can actually reach out to us and we'll send you a physical copy of the book that can be addressed at the end of, of this um, discussion. And then the PDF is something that can be ubiquitously used within the organization and can be used as something to build your own internal approach to increasing those cybersecurity cultures and practices that, that are just so hard to address. And it also addresses front and center the challenges um, and you know allows communication with executives as to what is important and how they have a major role in changing the way people address this digital threat. In the book itself, there's a, a number of key themes that are covered, but you place particular focus on the importance of ISO 27001 in the book. Why is that, Robbie? We address ISO 27001 and also NISC as two frameworks that I think will become table stakes for doing business in, in the digital world going forward. Uh, I think every organization has noticed the increase of the use of cybersecurity insurance. Every organization that trades with a, a digital environment around them in some way has seen the liabilities increase in their supplier contracts with the customers' legal departments trying to lay off uh, cyber risk. We've seen the risk assessments that have come in from our customers increase in their quest for information. And when you have a framework like ISO 27001 or NISC, 
you have a automatic foundation to reply to those risk assessments and address those customer concerns. And also, when your organization goes for certification, there is a, a different change in mindset. And indeed, every year, that certification is audited. So it isn't that you, you get it and you can rest on your laurels. So it's a structured approach to information security. It's something that avoids reinventing the wheel in many ways. And it becomes your a structured approach. It's structured around the way your information assets and your processes work. And I also like the idea of information assets, protecting the things that need protected. We find that a lot of people have strange views as to how information security works. And I think it changes the way you address your organization and also helps you address privacy and data processing activities that are very similar to information assets. It focuses on data as very, very valuable resource. And I think that from an awareness perspective, it gives people something to relate to that it is a quality standard and that their involvement in that quality or their involvement in that information security protection is what keeps the overall go-to-market offering to the, uh, of, of the company valid. And in this day and age when competition is, is very difficult for everyone, this actually provides a competitive advantage. So in summary, ISO 27001 and NISC are something that actually helps the business do business as opposed to what a lot of information security activities are viewed as just costs. This actually helps sales. Something you've said previously before, Robbie, is that ISO 27001 will probably become the new minimum required standard for organizations to do business with one another. So it's very interesting. It's, it's focused on in the book. Another point was that some of our listeners will be somewhat surprised to see digital transformation referenced in relation to cybersecurity awareness. Could we talk a little bit about that? One of the things that we identified from working in this area for a long time is that a big cul-de-sac that these type of programs fall into is that they shine bright for a period of time and then people forget about them and they become a nuisance almost. So the key is to relate the awareness campaign to things that the business is interested in, things that the business is, business is passionate about, and in particular, things that get the attention of senior executives, the leadership team. And digital transformation is very much a strategic imperative for every board of directors, for every organization that's trying to map a course in the future in this new digital world, what the World Economic Forum calls the fourth industrial revolution. And I think that if you look at GDPR, which in law in, in Europe prescribes privacy by design, you have the concept of security by design, then it's important that security is discussed at the beginning of these transformation projects, rather than what typically happens is it's brought in at the end and you're trying to retrofit it into the project, much to everybody else's discomfort. So I think that change clearly involves risk, and cybersecurity risk is, is, is an issue. 
And I think that you can use a digital transformation project to piggyback an awareness project right on the coattails of the corporate communications that are going out and also get a step up in the validity of your cybersecurity awareness campaign vis-a-vis the mind share of leadership time. Thanks, Robbie. And another question we had here was one of your key messages for readers of the book is to make awareness training relevant to a person's role. Is that something that is difficult for people? It is very difficult for people and it's often overlooked. So, you know, a lot of people will do one of two things. They'll go and get a simulated fish piece of software like like our MetaFish product and they'll send out a you know phishing emails to their own staff who when they click on it they get a learning experience we call them and that automatically increases their vigilance and, and that's fantastic for ransomware and for social engineering. Or what'll happen is people will buy a off-the-shelf set of uh, learning modules and again send that out uh, to the organization and, and, and surprising how many people send both a simulated fish and the e-learning out once a year. It's like Christmas, it's done once a year and that's it. And in reality, that doesn't cut it because the guys that we're up against, the hackers, are incredibly ingenious. They have malice aforethought. And what they're doing is they're focusing in on two roles that they're intending to exploit and they typically spend a long time researching those roles. So for example, the types of attacks that people in a finance department are getting will be completely different to the types of attack that privileged users in the IT department are getting. Also, if you provide very technical training to finance staff, you'll turn them off. And likewise, if you have more lightweight e-learning or training directed at technical people, they will get disenchanted very quickly. So it's critical that you identify your high-risk roles, like, for example, finance, like, for example, your leadership team, like, for example, your, your privileged users in your IT department, and then craft training and craft campaigns that actually resonate with them get them engaged because that's really what you're after. You're after a slice of the mind share so that people think twice. That's really the key objective of the whole awareness program is just think, think again, just check, just don't click, just, you know, don't react. And I think that once you create messaging and avoid a blanket bomb approach, you actually get greater buy-in and greater feedback from people. And it's not that difficult to do because the actual risks associated with the different roles are different, but I think it's a good investment. And it also shows that the organization is taking the awareness challenge seriously. Alongside, I suppose, training based on a person's role, in the book, you also talk about user fatigue as one of the big problems and challenges when implementing a cybersecurity awareness campaign. I'm sure our listeners and myself would love to understand that in a little bit more detail, Robbie. This is a surprise to a lot of people once they embark on a culture change program because changing culture, the key word is change. 
And everybody knows that change management programs are just dreadfully difficult to do. The IT department is not known, or the information security department is, is not known for its communication capability. So in the past, I think a lot of us have been guilty of sending out types of, of communication that tick a box. And when you think about it, how many pieces of e-learning, how many policies, how many risk assessments, how many simulated fish can you cope with per month? And when you think about it, maybe one, maybe two of each, and even at that, it's still a lot of content. And so the key is to recognize that if you go too hard, too quickly, what I've seen happen is that the organization just becomes very difficult. They'll push back quite strongly. So the key is to build up over time. And that's why I think if you take a 12-month approach in the first three months, it's just very light touch. You build it up three to six and so on. And over time, over a 24-month period, you start building upon the lessons that you have given to people in the first instance. There is a tendency to overcompensate once there has been an incident. So you tend to find that uh, nothing has happened for a long time and then there's a near miss or there's a ransomware incident and suddenly the organization hits full throttle on outbound communication from an awareness perspective. That's a bad idea because people just become numb and really, really resent the comms that they're getting. So I think it's very, very key to start slow, build up over time, and really focus on those high-risk groups. If nothing else, those three groups that I mentioned earlier, finance, the tech guys, and also your leadership team, focus on those will reduce a massive amount of your risk. Another interesting part of the book, Robbie, was I suppose where many people don't automatically associate staff policy management with a cybersecurity awareness campaign. I suppose many people think of it as sending out a simulated phishing email to staff, maybe following up some e-learning. Why is policy management important for changing people's behavior from your experience? This is a really important point and something I'm quite passionate about. Policies are the laws of an organization and cybersecurity is based on what to do and what not to do in a particular situation given a particular risk. So policies are only written to deal with a risk, as in the only reason why someone should open up Word, take out a a policy template and start creating a policy is to address a risk. If there isn't a risk that's being addressed, then that policy shouldn't exist. And in a lot of organizations, either policies are in a, a folder, in a drawer, or in a file share gathering electronic dust and they're not fit for purpose or or they're not really looked at at all but again an awareness campaign is the collection of all these awareness activities and making sure your policies are fit for purpose making sure that they have a solid revision uh, trail such that not only are we mitigating the risks in the policies and mitigating the overall cybersecurity risk, but we also are gathering information in a single source of truth, if you will, 
that will allow us to defend the organization in the event of a data breach and provide compliance as well as mitigation of, of these risks. And policies is front and center on that. It is something that needs to be planned out in parallel to your cybersecurity awareness campaign. And also these policies need to be fit for purpose, repeatable and, and reviewed. Something you also put a great deal of emphasis on is executive support. Why is that, Robbie? So without the executive setting the tone, the awareness campaign will become diluted as each manager has the option of interpreting the importance of the cybersecurity awareness activity to his particular department. What I think should happen is that the leadership function has to determine what their tone is, what the tone of their organization is. Is it zero tolerance? Is it, you know, send out a few phishing emails, send out a bit of e-learning and we're good? Or is it that this is such an important thing that we will invest the time, invest the executive backup and, and make sure that people are adopting best practice? For example, you send out a simulated fish to your staff. How many times are you prepared for people to have clicked that fish, even though it is a testing activity? Is it once? Is it twice? Is it three times? And I think if you have someone who is a repeat offender and is constantly ignoring the training, then you really have a risk within your employee base and you, you really have to deal with that. So I think that executive support allows you to have the HR capability, the human resources capability to deal with those problem people and to deal with that inherent risk that is associated with the reporting that is coming back from the software. On top of that, the leadership team is required because this is a long-term challenge. Cybersecurity awareness campaigns are multi-year and because of the nature of them and because they take a lot of effort, they can run out of steam, they can get derailed because other major corporate communications have taken precedence I mean, at the minute, the situation with people working from home has meant that a lot of people have stood down their cybersecurity awareness campaigns because they really don't want to add to people's hardship. Well, guess what? The hackers haven't taken that into account at all. And in fact, I think we have all have seen a massive increase in the amount of inbound malware type emails, ransomware type emails, because they're looking to exploit that. So the risks have increased, and as a result, our response to that has increased. So you need executive sponsorship so that that conversation could actually take place and that the executives would support both the level of communications that are needed and also the mitigation strategies that need to be put into place when you do find problems. Robbie, thank you very much for that. I think, unfortunately, we've kind of come to the end of the time we have today, and it's probably worthwhile running through quickly the top 10 cybersecurity best practices. Number one, we see that starting with CEO leadership. Number two, knowing your organizational tolerances. Number three, defend your information assets. Number four, focus on high-risk groups. Number five, make it engaging with effective storytelling. Number six, which we covered earlier today, Get your policy management up to date. Number seven, start preparing for the data breach right now. Number eight, 
Enlisting cybersecurity champions is a crucial element to this as well. Number nine, consider your supply chain. And number 10, implementing proper oversight. So the last thing we wanted to briefly mention was for anyone interested in a physical copy of the cybersecurity awareness for dummies, please send their mailing address to info at metacompliance.com. If there is a requirement for anything else, please do send us an email to that email address as well. I want to say again, thank you to Robbie for taking the time out to speak with me today and look forward to speaking again soon.